This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Welcome. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast show with Andrea and Alice. Our community is made up of so many amazing and diverse groups of people, as are the programs on Joy 94.9. There is something there for everyone. A little pot of joy is where we highlight just some of these amazing programs. We would like to show our respect and acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, of elders past and present of the Kulin Nation, whose land we are broadcasting from. We're opening the evening with a podcast from QNN, Community News. News and information for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans and intersex communities of Australia and the world. QNN is produced and podcast by Jacob Holman, hardworking person, and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. So if you missed the queer community news highlights, podcasts are available for download from the JOY website, joy.org.au forward slash QNN. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Made in Melbourne, for Australia and the world, this is the JOY 94.9 GLBTIQ News Roundup, a weekly update of what's been happening in the gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans and intersex communities. G'day and welcome to QNN. I'm Adam Samuel. And I'm Alastair Kingston. Same-sex marriage supporter Warren Ench says the new PM will ensure marriage equality will happen sooner rather than later. The Far Northern MP says he accepts Malcolm Turnbull had no choice but to abandon his preference for a free parliamentary vote, but was confident reform could be accelerated. While the PM's sticking with the Liberal Party's plan to hold a public vote after the next election, Mr Ench believes the PM would propose a clearly defined time frame for the vote and the question before then. In question time last week, Mr Turnbull rejected criticism from Labor that he'd sold out on same-sex marriage by maintaining the government's position on a popular vote. Australia's Human Rights Commissioner Tim Wilson has written to the New South Wales government over concerns the National School Chaplaincy Program could be detrimental to LGBTI students. Wilson has asked for copies of policies or safeguards that are in place to ensure gay and lesbian students receive appropriate and adequate advice. It follows deeply held concerns by parents of gay and lesbian students about the faith-based chaplaincy program. Wilson's letter states that much of this concern is based on whether chaplains place their private religious views of LGBT issues ahead head of the well-being of the young people they're there to support. Meantime, New York is abuzz after a gay man was invited to deliver the first Bible readings at Pope Francis's New York City Mass. Lectura del libro de Isaías. Comedian, political satirist and outspoken critic of the church's teaching on sexuality, Mo Rocca delivered the reading, taken to Twitter to say he was deeply grateful and humbled by the experience. LGBT rights groups read much into Rocca's appearance at the Pope's Mass, however devout Catholic groups aren't impressed. One group's demanded an explanation, asking why someone who openly mocks church teaching was chosen to speak at a papal mass. Controversy in Canada after ads for a gay hookup app were pulled down by the operators of Toronto Subway. Representatives of Squirt say the Subway company told them there had been complaints about the ads, which showed shirtless men, and that they were being reviewed. The company says it hasn't received any explanation as to why its posters have been pulled down, although a Canadian media outlet has been told it's because the app promoted sex in public places. The owners of the app have taken to social media to post pictures of other hookup apps still advertising throughout 
about the Toronto subway system, including Tinder. It's been reported tech giant Apple is under investigation by Russian authorities over the inclusion of same-sex couple emojis in its phone operating system. Back in 2013, Russia passed its so-called gay propaganda law, which bans the display of LGBT materials, including rainbow flags, and anything that it claims could promote non-traditional family types to children. Police in Kirov are now investigating whether the inclusion of same-sex emojis pose a risk to Russian children. If found guilty, Apple risks a fine of up to 1 million rubles, or $15,000 US, and a nationwide ban on its products if it refuses to pay the fine. Briefly now, and a farmer from the small US town of Gay has fallen foul of a government website. Its word filter keeps rejecting his paperwork because the name of his town is considered to have sexual connotations. A Polish public service message has shown a teenage girl morphing into Adolf Hitler in an effort to highlight the dangers of homophobia and hate speech. The producers of The Simpsons say the 27th season of the cartoon will focus on Mr Burns' assistant Waylon Smithers finally coming to terms with his sexuality. And which rebooted kids' favourite from the 80s has fallen foul of US conservatives with a gay joke? Find out after QNN Sport with Tanya Lewis. Keen Wong, Ben O'Rance and Mark Patrick from the Melbourne Chargers Rugby Club have made an Are You OK video to show what mateship means to them. In the game of rugby it's pretty obvious when your friend needs a hand but in real life it's not so obvious sometimes so just being there to ask Are You OK is really helpful sometimes. In the US, LGBT equality ally and former baseball Hall of Famer Yogi Berra has died at the age of 90. Before he died, Berra signed on to be an ambassador for Athlete Ally, which supports straight allies of LGBT people in sport. Berra's museum and learning centre supports and respects athletes from all walks of life and educates student athletes on bullying in the locker room. Thanks, Tanya. The Muppet Show, which has been rebooted for a slightly more grown-up audience, has fallen foul in its first episode with a religious group claiming Fozzie Bear and his online dating profile joke was perverted and not suitable for kids. Creators of the show just claim he's a passionate bear looking for love. And that's what's happening in the LGBT handstuff puppet this week. I'm Adam Samuel. And I'm Alistair Kingston. Thanks to the team at QNN. That was the Joy 94.9 GLBTIQ News Roundup. To hear this update again, you can subscribe to the QNN podcast, available at joy.org.au slash QNN. Or you can follow QNN on Twitter at QNN Australia. At QNN Australia. You're listening to Joy 94.9, and this was a little part of Joy with Andrea and Alice. Up next, uh, we have another one of our resting programs, a podcast from Andy and Adrian. Nikki's waxing experience. Yeah. <laughs> when Andy is away, Adrian is joined by co-host Nikki, and here she's telling her hilarious and charming story about how freckles and laser hair removal don't mix. I'm sure there are too many people, unfortunately, who can relate to Nikki's experience with this one. Wow. <laughs> You can listen to the entire podcast by downloading it from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash Andy and Adrian, or download it for free from the iTunes store. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. You're listening to Andy and Adrian. My friend last week rings me and goes, Nikki, I've just got the first laser hair removal that's pain-free. Oh. Now, I've had underarms lasered, and it is actually really quite sore. Yes. Right? It's quite sore. It's like a really hot elastic band firing at you, and it does... I have to actually be counted in. You have to be what? Counted in. I have to do a breath. So every time I go to get my underarms done, they have to go three, two, one, zap. (laughs) I thought three, two, one. Twice, and that was it. Three, two, one. Three, two, one, for every single one. I couldn't even speak for 15 minutes. I just had to go with three, two, one. Well, you need it a few times. And I've got, I'm like She's a, Scottish. I've uh, got and have lots you seen, of hair. Have you seen those eyebrows? So get this. Stop it. 
So get this, I decide, oh my God, if it's the pain-free one, I'm going to get everything done. Oh, yes. I'm going to get everything done because I've never been game to be able to do it down there because it's been so sore. You're going to get your nostrils. So off I go. Your ear. Get in there. Yes. On the, on the bed. Are you serious? Weak everything off. No. With my wee friend. <gasps> We're in a big doctor's surgery, medical surgery. Like There's people queues outside for just seeing the doctors. Yes. And this is just a separate room for laser. <laughs> I am making such a song and dance because, as you can imagine, I'm I'm not quiet about these things. Yes. I've got my legs in the air. <laughs> she's right, she's got that much. There's that much. Seriously, I'm not kidding. This thing works by gel, like it works by like lubricants. No, I'm not kidding. It does. So she had to slap all of this lube onto me, right? And I had to stick in your my legs area. in the air in the special area. Now, what happens is, can I just can I tell you the funniest part though? I'd been reading in the I've been reading in the surgery about how it works. Now, somebody's apparently likened it to hot stone massage, like a hot stone massage because it goes oh, warm. Well, that sounds That's pleasant. The, and I was like, right, okay, I'll lie back and think of hot stone massage. Yeah, right. Yes. I was being zapped right, left, and centre. Right, I was going, oh, oh, and I was getting really nervous. Anyway, we move further round. I start to get like I'm sweating at the thought of it. I've got sweaty palms even talking about it. Right. I was wearing a vest top, right? And I had lube all up my top. I had it everywhere. I came out, and in the lines of my stomach, I had lube all over my top. I was wet with lube, right? Anyway, get this. We've moved the laser further around, and what happens is it's drawn to pigmentation. So the darker your skin or the darker the hair, the the more it works. Well, as it got further around and went to my freckle, I got like a really big zap and I almost levitated. I almost levitated off the bed. I'm like, oh my god, it's on my freckle top. And it just just brought a new meaning to the fact that I should bleach my freckle. I don't know. I'm not sure. I cannot believe I'm dying to go back next week I sort of enjoyed it in a really weird way I'm dying to go back next week I go back for another set I'm dying The whole bed was moving And it was like a slug had been on the bed I was covered in lube It was revolting But I loved it Other friends have gone No, that's that's just No, you can't do that with friends And have your pants off Well, I did like trollicist straight through your freckles Through my freckles Bleaching your freckle top and just quietly, you're Pigmentation. like... I was like, I couldn't work out why that, that area went a bit more, ooh, as it went around. And I went, guys, oh my God, what is going on with that part? You certainly won't goes, need... Well, uh, the pigmentation too. You certainly won't need your boyfriend anymore. No, I'm happy as Larry. <laughs> and I had that much lube around there. I tell you, I was happy. Oh, I was happy. I was quite happy in my little world of freckles. Oh, Nikki. Loving the freckles. What can I say? Just uh, to wrap up the show. It has five been... Five to nine. It has been to say. pleasure. Dull. Having you on the show uh, I've the loved being on weeks. the show. Uh, as Andy has been, uh, has taken a sojourn. Uh, um, any complaints, please send them straight through yeah, just... to uh, Fox FM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry. Thanks for listening. For more, go to andyandadrian.com. You're on Joy 94.9 and this is Little Pot of Joy with Andrea and Alice. Up next from Tag Team, Tag Team Time. 
We're waking up once more with the tag team as we check in with Queensland correspondent Brocklesnitch about all this plebiscite business floating around. We also have Elise back on the line having her say on road rage against cyclists and a few more hilarious conversations. You can listen to more of the uh, more of the entire podcast by downloading it from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash tag team, or download it for free from the iTunes store. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Uh, this morning, we're going to see a return uh, to our, our correspondent, Brockle Snitch, all the way in Brisbane. Rebecca from the north. Oh, yes. We'll have her in. Her official title. Plus, shortly we'll be talking about a brand new correspondent. I'm calling her the traffic correspondent. I think it's a good title. Yeah. Yeah. We're she, gonna... um, well, last week was for it, not really for the traffic. Road related. Road related. But absolutely. you had to uh, issue her an apology. I did. This after time she's after another apology. Spotted her in her lonely spinster car <laughs> and shamed her on social media. <laughs> yeah. No, I, wanted to, I, wanted, I wanted to talk Nans. Yeah. Because, um, Harry, you've just had a call from Nan during the song. Yeah, I did. Popped on. Was that FaceTime? FaceTime, yeah. You said, Nan, I'm on the radio. Yeah, and you, she said, you... oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. That was that accent. That was great. Oh, thank you. I think it's getting better. Is it? Radio? Yeah. Because you really ramp up the accent when you talk to her. Do you think so, though? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think though, you're doing it. Really. No, I don't think it's for attention. I think it's so you can be understood easily. Yeah, because otherwise they go, oh, listen to Neighbours by her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really say that. Yeah, all so the time. Funny. All what the time. kind of mean on you, mean to you at school? <laughs> they really are, though. I am, I am the black sheep. In my family, like, everybody's like, oh, a bit alternative for you. <laughs> like, Took off. Like, I'm not alternative. Oh, you should have done when I went vegan for a month. Oh, oh Jesus. I think the favorite right part of that is you went vegan for a month. Yeah. <laughs> just to see, just to test. Oh, and when I was a vegetarian for, like, a couple of years, oh. go down Nan's, and she'd be like, can I make you a sandwich? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. She's like, do you want a bit of ham? I'm like, no, because I'm a vegetarian. She's like, but it's wafer thin. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no difference. That makes... It does make a difference. It's not a lot of ham. Yeah, exactly. So that was. That's and your great. food dramas continue, Harry. I was. Uh, oh, this is. Drop. I've turned. I've. I've gone. I've gone all military. I'm part of the SAS. Oh really? Yep. Because somebody stole my food at work. Like my actual Tupperware container of, with a meal inside. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's not someone's gone through and cleaned the fridge and just thrown everything out? Nope. Because it was, there was, there was three things that were missing out of there. And it was like they'd literally gone, oh, start a main and dessert. No. What was yours? Which was yours? Mine was main. Oh, what was it? It was um, uh, a curry with cauliflower rice. Is that really that's something someone brave would brave to someone steal a Tupperware and heat it up and eat it in the office? Well, that's what I thought. Have you got your eye on someone? Have yeah. you checked the fridge at home? Yeah, yeah it's not that. <laughs> it's definitely not that. It's not floating about my car either because oh, I checked that too. That would be bad. Yeah. That'd be unfortunate. And it, it, it legitimately went. And somebody had like um, a can of soft drink stolen too. Oh, cool. It was totally. literally, but there's, there's a couple of newbies. Oh, right. And what, started. You, you think that they can't? And I think the newbies are taking liberties. You reckon? Yeah. I re- if my lunch went missing in our office, Sean, I would know exactly who I think it would be. There's a lot of people in that office. Yeah, but there's really one in particular you're... that I would think it is. I'm just mouthing it. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a really hungry person. <laughs> it's not me, firstly, just in case that's what you were thinking. Um, have you ever stolen someone's lunch? Yes. What? Have yes. you? What? Yeah. Oh, not, not their lunch, but I've stolen, like, yogurts. And... No. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to how happy she is, though. It's yeah. like you're justifying you it now. You can eat it, too. Even yeah. especially yeah. someone else's cake in the yeah. fridge. Yeah. It was serious. Yeah. And, like, um, and and, an energy drink. 
At the same place? Yeah. Oh, what but then is they knew it's a it was free me. for all? But then they knew it was me, so I couldn't do it anymore. I mean, if it was 3 in the afternoon, I open the fridge and store an up and go or something. I'd struggle to resist that. Yeah, this is... exactly. I'm learning too much about you. You're, I know, but, you're a bad person. But that was in my younger days when younger, I was a what? rebel. Two months ago. Yeah, yeah. when I was a was rebel. Was it at this workplace that you were stealing? No. Because I say karma. Well, I think it is, and that's why I don't think I can get too uppity about it, because, you know, at the end of the day, I've been on both sides of this, and I've tasted my own medicine, and it is bitter. So... <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> and uh, we're about to talk to our traffic correspondent, uh, Elise, who... Well, she's after another apology um, this week. It's, it's she's not, not demanding much, is she? Well, <laughs> it's not for her, but it's for someone else she spotted um, while driving. I was there with her. Good morning, Elise. Good morning, Hunter, Sean and Harry. I haven't forgotten you this time, Harry. Yay! <laughs> oh, well done. You've been practicing. Thank you. Um, Elise, can you explain who the apology is for if it's not for you? Uh, well, Sean and I were driving home after a nice romantic dinner. We both, <laughs> ate a, we both had a salad. All right, all right. <laughs> Did you both you. have a salad? Good work, yeah. Sean. Good for you. Yes, thank you, Elise. Keep going. Um, anyway, we were driving home and we were behind a full drive who was behind a cyclist and he tooted the cyclist. Ah. Because they were going too slow, probably. Was that it? It was horrible. There was no need for it, was there? No. And then so I said to Sean, I said, wind down the window and yell something out. She made, Get out the way! She she made me get off the road. No, no, it's like guys. A you should guys. have to pay a yearly registration fee like the rest of us. Change your gears. <laughs> None of those things. It was a fixing man. Oh. I had to. I had to. She went down the window. It was freezing cold. Sean, make her feel okay. And I said, don't listen to him. And was hanging out the window, like giving her a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> and she loved it. She did. You made her day. Is it ever okay to toot a cyclist? Absolutely not. It's hard enough riding a bike as it is on the road. <laughs> it is don't terrifying. Someone all up in your grill. I think probably it is okay to sometimes do the cyclist. When? Um, maybe when they've not noticed that the light's gone green. Oh yeah. <laughs> Although that happens less in a bike than it does in a car, to be honest, because you uh, you don't have much else to do. You just sat there staring. So wait. not okay from the comfort of your car. Do you? Somebody else who's do not you in ride car. as a commuter, Elise? Absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Elise and I do have dreams of not only eating salads, but also owning bikes in Brunswick and riding to and from work. <laughs> oh, it's a long ride to work from Brunswick, though. Yeah. Don't not inspire us. I'm just not. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm Elise is doing a community service announcement, telling people not to toot at bike riders. Isn't that what you're doing? Yes. Don't toot at anyone who isn't in another car. Well, I once accidentally tooted the horn, so I, like, leant on the horn. <laughs> with your boobs. And, uh, yeah, with my bosom. And it, it tooted um, quite loudly, and the person in front of me was very angry, and they gave me the finger in the rearview mirror. <laughs> yeah. And then I made it my mission to pull alongside them, and I wanted to wind down. I was like, wind down the window, wind down the window. Um, you know that action yeah. you do. Yeah, um, And I think they thought it was going to get into a road rage situation, so they didn't. Eventually, they relinquished, and I was like, I didn't mean to toot. <laughs> <laughs> no, whatever. An accidental toot. <laughs> um, Elise, if you were the driver of the four-wheel drive and you were listening to this and you had changed your mind, what, should the, what would you say? What would the apology to the bike rider be? Um, I would apologise to the bike rider and maybe bake them a cake or something. Wow, that is, that's a very generous apology. I don't think completely necessary. And they'll burn that cake right off. Yeah. <laughs> but would you, how would you give them cake? Would you have to just throw it at them while they're cycling? <laughs> just feeding them for it. Or try and aim it for their basket or something? Uh, maybe just throw it at their back. <laughs> <laughs> I baked you this. Bang. <laughs> throw it at their back. It really is the age-old battle, isn't it, between the cyclist and driver? Do you think we should do a phone poll and then whatever the, whatever the results are, we'll just get rid of bikes or keep them? No. Like, we'll, we'll do a phone, bikes or, this is the poll, bikes or cars, 
And that's, then the one the loser has to go away. That's not the phone poll. <laughs> but uh, if you are out there on the roads, oh, you have had a pretty good insult, not just a toot. Oh, Can I tell you an insult I've had? Um, I beat someone and he beat me back and then he wound down the window and said, you're stupid and you're bloody ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, good morning, Elise. Thank you. Thank you, Elise. Good morning. And we have been heartbroken the last couple of weeks because uh, we've been without our Queensland correspondent, but she joins us now. Rebecca Shaw, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you going? Yay, oh, it's good. good. Yay! It's good to hear your northern tones. What's life like in the Sunshine State this morning? Oh, uh, look, it's lovely. I'm in my bed, so... <laughs> oh! <laughs> as far as I know, the outside world is still there and going, but... I'm, I pic- have I'm picturing you in, like, a satin teddy, like, sat up on a yeah. bunch of pillows with your... All your uh, uh, have you got a camera in here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's a camera in here, too. Are you watching us? <laughs> yes. I like your satin teddies, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's on Hunter's Rider. Now, Beth, uh, we wanted to talk to you about the plebiscite. So it looks like... I don't know how we got here, but it looks like our, uh, our gay marriage rights are going to be put to a public vote. And uh, uh, what, what do you think of that? Um, I think it's rubbish. Pretty much. I don't think it will happen um, until after the next election when the coalition won it too. Um, But I really think I'm exhausted at the thought of it and another year or two of discussion about this and hearing anti-gay arguments and having them be funded. And, like, I think validating the... I think it will validate the argument to kind of... You're right. And, um, and once they do yeah. call for a public vote, that is when we'll, we'll really see the sort of onslaught of the television commercials and, and stuff like that, which yeah, will be, be tedious. So tedious for us, perhaps, but maybe dangerous for, for younger younger people, I think. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not a fan. Now, it's not polite to ask someone how they would vote, but if it did come up, <laughs> how would you be voting? Oh, uh, against it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. Okay. I can't believe I should put up with another year of discussion about this, but I can just snap <laughs> it down now. Uh, if if it if it does happen, is it? Do you think it's fair to pop in a couple of extra things we have to vote on on the day? So there's a few other columns. Yeah, I think um, I think the queer community should get to have have a question on there as well, yeah. just to even it out. And I'm thinking um, I would like to ban any mention of minions. <laughs> ever again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, down with minions. Did not that. see that yeah. coming. You're listening to a little part of Joy on Joy 94.9 and this is Andrea and Alice. Up next from another resting program, a podcast from Wet Spot. Genitals do not equal gender. Sammy is very excited to be joined by the most fabulous international guest, Holly Howard. Holly goes by the pronouns them, they and their. The amazing Holly Howard discusses the topic of non-binary gender. Their thoughts on how genitals don't equal gender and escaping the binary. They're a bold, hilarious, and deeply connected being. You really feel that. And their approach to sexuality and their passion for educating people on gender is incredible as they shift the planet's consciousness on gender diversity. Holly Howitt shares with us their most famous talk about gender and genitals, smashing the gender binary concepts. You can listen to the entire podcast by downloading it from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash wetspot, or download it from the iTunes store. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. I'm not a slut, I just love love. <laughs> now, uh, it-
It is Moist Mondays, which means we, it is time for the wet spot. And I'm so super excited because I have an international guest this evening. Holly Howard is joining me and we're going to discuss so many amazing things tonight. We're going to talk about, and I know I'm going to end up getting this wrong about, about how they pronounce it, but it is about binary, free, gender, and all of the amazing things, how, how uh, you identify by with whether people use their gender or their genitals to identify and how it all works. Holly, welcome to The Wet Spot. Thank you for having me, Sammy. And when I talk about you, I actually use the program pronoun them and they. Yeah, now my I've, preferred I've, pronoun. Right. Yeah. So let's have a little bit of a chat first, a little bit of, uh, you know, start off with that. Okay. So... Um, I guess it's important really to understand that for me, and I think for many others increasingly, I don't see gender as a binary, um, and that would be that there are only men and women. I think that um, that's far uh, too simpler um, sort of idea, and that there's an entire grayscale of genders. Mm. Um, And I also think the way that we currently um, speak about gender, we often conflate it or confuse it with our sort of biological sex or our genitals or our chromosomes. And so people that are born with penises, we call them men, and people who are born with vulvas, we call them women. And we know that that's not necessarily the case. We know from our trans brothers and sisters that that's not always the case. Mm. But what the um, sort of trans narrative, in terms of transitioning, we often think of that as from one to another. And that's perfectly true for many people. But there's also lots of people for whom it's not quite as binary as that. Because we also, you know, and it's uh, it's something that, you know, I speak about a little bit on this show and it's a, it's a particular passion of mine is it, it seems to be that we quickly dismiss particularly our trans brothers and our sisters as, you know, as part of their journey of transitioning is not everyone has the same beginning and the same end and the same journey and the same tracks and they're even travelling to the same country. Yeah, um, And that person is not then... Um, uh, correctly identified as uh, you know in that in that binary of either male or female mm. because their genitals don't match about how they want the world to see them and I think to me that that's you know it, it's that one of be the hardest you know I'm I'm not trans I have so many trans friends but mm. to me I see it's one of the hardest battles that they mm. face and it is a battle for a lot of people. We, what we're going to do is because uh, you, you touched on uh, this amazing talk that you give um, and I'm going to put you on the spot with this amazing speech that she does. So I'm going to shut up and let her talk. Genitals are awesome. They are these delicious parts of our bodies that give us pleasure. We can have lots of fun on our own with our wonderful genitals and we can rub them up against other people's lovely genitals. We can put things inside them. And put them inside things. You can smush them and squish them and stroke them and suck them and, oh, genitals. The person speaking owns a vulva. I love vulvas. I love my vulva and I love lots of other vulvas. I love the whole concept of vulvas, what they look like and taste like, how they engorge and swell, change colour, produce rivers of goo, how they come in so many different shapes and sizes. What I don't love about vulvas is that so often society makes an assumption that they only belong to women. Based on our genitals, assumptions are made about what gender we are. And the same thing happens the other way around. 
In most polite forms of society, you meet someone's gender before you meet their genitals. Society takes one look at the person presenting to them and thinks they know what's in their pants. Well, I have news for you, society. You don't. Being the proud owner of a beautiful vulva does not automatically make me a girl, or a woman, or female, or any of the words that describe a gender. In the same vein, being the proud owner of a beautiful vulva who sometimes has sex with other owners of vulvas does not make me a lesbian. Because nothing so far in the information that you have about these two vulva-owning individuals tells you anything about their gender, let alone their orientation. You do not know that I, or any of my vulva-owning lovers, are female until you find out about our gender. Making that assumption can at best feel uncomfortable and at worst be devastating to those being misgendered or misgenitaled. This is a particularly sensitive issue when exclusive spaces are set up based on gender or genitals. Being the owner of a vulva and attending a vulva-only space is fabulous, but it becomes a whole lot less fabulous if this space then also gets referred to as women's space. For all the vulva-owning not-women, suddenly this space has been denied to them. They may feel like imposters or invisible. Similarly, if you attend a women's space and it becomes abundantly clear that by these people's standards you must have a vulva in your pants to qualify, then all of a sudden the cock that you have between your legs means that you're no longer welcome in this space. And the fear of being discovered is not one any of us should be facing. I'll put it simply. A room full of people who have vulvas is not a women's space. And a women's space is not necessarily a room full of people who own vulvas. If you set up a space for women... You set up a space for women with all types of genitals, cocks, vulvas, and anything outside of that binary. If you set up a space for men, you set up a space for men with all types of genitals, cocks, vulvas, anything outside of that binary. If you set up space exclusively for vulva owners, then you set up a space for vulva-owning people of all genders, male, female, and everyone outside of that binary. And if you set up a space for cock owners, you set up a space for cock owning people of all genders, male, female and everyone outside of the binary, because genitals do not equal gender. Let me explain why I think that it is so important that we stop conflating the two. To understand the gravity of the importance, first you have to kind of understand that it's my fundamental belief that sex... And by that I mean sexuality, orgasm, the gooey feeling in your guts, the warm buzz in your loins, the feeling that you've had for all time that couldn't put a name to when you were a child. That wonderful, beautiful, inimitable, sexy energy that living things have. Eros. It's a big fucking deal. That having it, as much or as little as you like, with others or on your own, is a human right. And it is one that we are ubiquitously and cruelly denying ourselves and others because of the many bizarre and ridiculous rules that we have made around it. Currently, and throughout the passage of time, when we are born, we are assigned a gender, based on what bits we have. On this planet, we assign the babies that come out with the dangly watsits male, and the ones who come out with the slitty foldy bits female. And far more often than should ever have been allowed, if the baby's bits are a little ambiguous then someone else decides which genitals the presenting anomaly more closely resembles and surgically alters the appearance to greater achieve that conformity. So now we are all split into two neat camps based on our bits. Wonderful. But it doesn't 
stop there. From that very first trip home from the hospital, we are taught constantly, subtly and pervasively about what our gender means. What it means to be normal if you were assigned F and what it means to be normal if you were assigned M. These social constructs exist globally and there is absolutely no escape from them in our society. Once you see it, it becomes terrifying. From birth, we are taught precisely how to live based on our assigned gender. This plays out in a million different ways and affects everything from how we play, learn, dance, talk, cry, fight, earn, keep fit, and yes, most crucially, how we fuck. And by that I mean how we seek pleasure from our wonderful pleasure centres, our minds and our bits. These lessons actually warp our plastic brains, but if you want gender science neurophysiology, then that's a whole other talk. As you were. If you were born with one of those slitty foldy bits that meant you were stamped with the F gender, but discovered as you grew that you were in fact not female, you can probably imagine how difficult a relationship you might have with your genitals. If you had been taught constantly that your vulva is your gender, that it is your vulva's fault, that you got assigned this womanhood that you never wanted, might you not start resenting this wonderful, beautiful, pleasure-giving piece of your body? In the same instance, if your cock symbolises a masculinity that you in no way associate with, if this dangly bit between your legs that is so wonderful and pleasure-giving is the source of all that denied you your non-male identity, might you not find it quite tricky to enjoy its beauty and share that beauty with others? When sex and sexuality are so closely linked to our genitals and our genitals are so pervasively and societally conflated with our gender, we construct a world where if any of these things don't match up correctly, then we have a very turbulent relationship with sex, both sex with ourselves and sex with other people. If we keep telling the world and ourselves that vulva is feminine, vulva is woman, what are we denying our vulva-owning brothers? If we keep telling the world and ourselves that cock is masculine, cock is man, what are we denying our cock-owning sisters? And that's not even mentioning those whose genitals might not fit neatly into the vulva-cock binary and or those whose gender might not fit neatly into the male-female binary. If society often correctly guesses what bits you've got, if the body you live in and the way you present it to the world has never resulted in people making the wrong assumption about your bits, then you might be wondering what the big deal is. It might never have occurred to you that gender and genitals are not directly correlating aspects of the human condition. Well, there are a very great number of us for whom our genitalia, the subsequent gender that we were assigned at birth, and the gender that we currently occupy, identify and express, do not conform to that which we are taught is normal. There are also a great number of us for whom our genetic gender is not clearly definable by the male-female gender binary, whether that's because of a variation in our chromosomes, that's our X's and Y's, our sex organs, that's our testes and ovaries, or our genitalia, our vulvas and our cocks. Ignorance is really easy to overcome. Let's educate ourselves around queer, trans, non-binary and intersex. I understand that the reason many of us have never really thought about this is because of our empirical evidence gathering. Well, most girls I meet have vulvas and most boys I meet have cocks. It's a rational thought to have. And that certainly is true of the majority. But we are looking at a majority whereby society so strongly defines our gendered roles and so completely denies us nuance or grey area when it comes to gender 
that we can never really be sure. If we were born in an alternate universe, whereby you were not assigned a gender at birth, whereby you were given a name and the bits between your legs were of no more importance than if you had an innie or an outie belly button, I often wonder just how many of us would fall so neatly into these two camps of F or M. And of those, how many of us would have the gendered attributes like hair length and clothing type and posture and sports interests? And of those still, how many would have the corresponding genitals that we assign to those genders on this planet? On this bloody planet right now, Earth, where we call home and insist on gendering all our babies using a flawed binary, what spaces do we have available for us to, be, to worship our fantastic vulvas or our beautiful cocks or whatever fabulous bits you have down there that doesn't automatically assume your gender or your orientation. It's time to let go of the uncompromising, rigid framework we have set up between the physiological bits of our bodies and the societal constructs of gender. It's time for fluidity, for choice, for grey area and nuance. It's time to end the bitter, painful heartbreak that we inflict on ourselves every day when we contort ourselves to fit the norms. It's time to queer the fuck up. You're listening to Joy 94.9, and this is A Little Pot of Joy with Alice and Andrea. Up next from another one of our resting programs, Serial Offenders, Serial Noir. Carly and Calum are bringing you a special present this week. They're serving up a big bowl of film noir, just for your listening pleasure. It's art, dear. <laughs> it's fantastic. And you can listen to the entire podcast, and we do recommend that you do, by downloading it from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash serial offenders, or download it from the iTunes store. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Presenting Carly and Callum, your serial offenders on Joy 94.9. Okay, three, two, one, let's jam. Ah, good morning, Melbourne. Good morning. Do you know, I think today's going to be a very good day, Callum. A very good day. I've already been told I'm beautiful. Really? By who? I got off the train this morning. Yeah. Um, well, I was walking down Collins Street, and a man, he was really inebriated, and he was asking me for a <laughs> cigarette. <laughs> And I said, no, sorry, darling, I don't. And he said, you are beautiful. Oh. You know Today is going to be a good day. Today is a big day. We have reached 350 likes Which on our mean- Facebook page. Which means we're only 50 likes away from listening to Callum play the trombone to the Wonder Woman theme song. Live on air. I'm really sorry about... I'm apologising in advance now. Um, oh, no need to apologise. The worse, the better, I feel. Not for people who have to listen to it. Like, if you, if you just suddenly tune in and there's a terrible trombonist, you know, it'd yes. be... No, it wouldn't be worse than having the bagpipes. That's Nothing's worse than having the bagpipes. Um, anyway, big show, big show. We're going to be reading our film noir section out. I'm very, very excited. Yes, so it had to include in the studio with poison cereal in the style of film noir. Yes. Thank you very much, Vlad, who um, got in and texted in the topic. Yes, I had lots of fun with that. So it's time, Callum, for us to read our film noir pieces. So let's do it like last week. I'll read yours and you can read mine. Okay, okay. Um, who wants to go first? Do you want to go first or will I go first? Well, I went first last time. So you did? You've... Oh, did I? I can't remember. Neither. You can go first. Okay. All right. Okay. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I will be reading Carly's attempt at the film noir genre. Attempt. I was going to say attempt at mine as well. <laughs> don't, don't, jeez. 
Love it. Colonel Mustard didn't go out much. His partner, Reverend Green, was charged with grievous bodily harm to Mrs. Peacock in the greenhouse with the spanner back in 2014. Society was still getting over it. Carly was nervous, and her face showed it. On the rare occasion Colonel Mustard felt the need to contribute to conversation, he spoke with a poetic whisper, leaving Carly Ann to smear the air with the thickness of her nervous chatter. The lift to join 94.9 studio was a painful journey. Carly Ann already annoyed Colonel Mustard before their interview had even began. Callum was eating cereal and reading the paper at the table in reception. Callum was sus on Colonel Mustard. He'd watched the case closely and was never truly convinced the Colonel was innocent. Carly Ann made the three tea before setting up the studio for their interview. Carly Ann was fiddling with the leads under the desk when Callum found a dead fly on the windowsill. It was almost a maggot. He was reciting the dead specimen's properties. Colonel Mustard swiftly poisoned Callum's cereal and Carly's tea. Out came Carly from the studio and down sat Callum at the desk. Carly didn't care for warm tea, nor did Callum for soggy cereal, so Jeff cleared the dishes, leaving Colonel Mustard agonizing over not being able to take over the airwaves as their replacement. Bang! Crash! Bing! Bong! Jeff met his fate in the kitchen with a poison cereal by Colonel Mustard. <laughs> you do that voice so well. Thank you very much. So well. Yeah, I really had a ball doing this one. Love it. Um, are we going to do a little bit of a reread? Yes, about definitely. But this time we're going to read our own. So, Callum, okay. take it away with your... Uh, do you have the film noir bed? I do. I do. Put it on. I've made that bed and I'm going to lie in it. The elevator dinged as it reached the end of its journey, the ninth floor. I found myself at the top of a building, a glass security door standing between me and my next case. It was early, too early for me to be out of bed and far too early for anyone to even consider committing murder. Yet there I was. I did my best to stifle a yawn as a short man with a moustache and cardigan opened the door for me. A cardigan? Really? In this heat? His red-rimmed eyes told me he'd been crying and I didn't blame him. From what I'd heard, these kids were only just getting into their stride, starting to make a name for themselves. What a pity. They would have been big. As I was led into a soundproof studio, I glanced up at a TV screen hanging from the ceiling, a digital clock ticking quietly away, its face indifferent to the wasted talent that lay before it. Plastered over the bottom of the screen was, it's seven minutes past seven. As I got out my notepad, I couldn't help but think, it's handy. I wouldn't even need to check my watch. A young handsome man lay slumped in a chair in front of a desk covered in buttons and dials, one hand still tightly clutching a spoon, a spilt bowl of cereal slowly soaking into the carpet at his feet. On the floor opposite lay a girl face down in her own bowl, purple fringe dripping milk over the side. It was the ultimate irony, poison in the cereal offender's cereal. If it wasn't such a tragedy, I might have smiled. A red light flashing in the corner caught my eye. With every pulse of light, it seemed to yell, Watch what you say, because when the mics are on, there are no secrets. That was almost true. There was one. Who killed the serial offenders? Who did kill them, I wonder? (sighs) 
Now, are we going to go straight to mine or are we going to... I reckon go straight I to yours. I think so, because otherwise we'll run it. All right. Okay, let's go. Colonel Mustard didn't go out much. His partner, Reverend Green, was charged with grievous bodily harm to Miss Peacock in the greenhouse with the spanner back in 2014. Society was still getting over it. Carly was nervous and her face showed it. On the rare occasion Colonel Mustard felt the need to contribute to conversation, he spoke with a poetic whisper, leaving Carly Ann to smear the air with the thickness of her nervous chatter. The lift to join 94.9 studio was a painful journey. Carly Ann already annoyed Colonel Mustard before their interview had even begun. Callum was eating cereal and reading the paper at the table in reception. Callum was sus on Colonel Mustard. He'd watched the case closely, and he was never truly convinced Colonel was innocent. Carly Ann made the three teas before setting up the studio for their interview. Carly Ann was fiddling with the leads under the desk when Callum found a dead fly on the windsill. It was almost a maggot. He was reciting the dead specimen's properties. Colonel Mustard swiftly poisoned Callum's cereal and Carly's tea. Out came Carly from the studio and down sat Callum at the desk. But Carly didn't care for warm tea, nor did Callum for soggy cereal. So Jeff cleared the dishes, leaving Colonel Mustard agonising over not being able to take over the airways as their replacement. Bang, crash, bing, bong! Jeff met his fate in the kitchen with the poisoned cereal by Colonel Mustard. <laughs> Beautiful. There you have it. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, our uh, our little take on film noir. Um, head to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash serial offenders. Like the one you liked most, which means you're going to like mine. Um, no, mate. Um, oh, oh, hello. Someone's texted in. Those low voices are making me moist. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> it's an anonymous I, I, text. I uh, and it. It's fantastic. I love it. You're on Joy 94.9 listening to A Little Pot of Joy with Alice and Andrea. And it's another fantastic show tonight, if I say so myself. <laughs> well, there are so many amazing programs out there, and particularly... A lot of the resting programs, you need to go back and rediscover them. That's right. It's like for every program that's currently going to air and generating amazing podcasts, there's about two to five resting programs that have a whole lot of podcasts just waiting for you to enjoy. Somebody worked out that there are actually 200 days of continuous listing of Joy Podcasts at present. Wow, is that true? 200 days? Settle in. That's an incredible amount of listening pleasure. Yeah. And well put. so many amazing laughs too. That's true. And you can find more of the complete podcast on the Joy website, joy.org.au, or you can download it for free from the iTunes store. You've been listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. See joy.org.au and click on our podcast link to subscribe to your favorite podcasts free. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.